Welcome along to another Know My Faith Monday podcast. My guests these, this time are Trevor and Judy Clark from Ethnos New Zealand. Welcome along. Good to have you. Thank you, Rob. Um, Ethnos, a name that we don't know very well, but we know your old name, which is the New Tribes Mission. Why the name change? Well, about four years ago, we, it became obvious internationally that we needed to change our name for a number of reasons, um, all three reasons really at the start. We're not a new organisation, we're almost 80 years old. We do not just work in tribal groups, we work among ethnic people groups, maybe in a city or somewhere like that, and also for a mission that throws up red flags on some of the countries we work in. So to avoid that, uh, we looked at a new name change and came up with ethnos, right, which so actually means ethnic. Ethnic groups. Yes. Yeah, yeah, multiple. So so New Tribes Mission, that's the, that's the Steve Saints and the, the Alka Indians. That kind that, of thing. That, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't you guys? No, no. That's a at, different one. At the same time, we had five of ours that were martyred at the same time. The, is that right? A very much the same kind of story. Okay. Yeah. I, so I've obviously got you mixed up. The, yeah. Uh, we, ours was among the ARA Indians of Bolivia. So uh, also so South America. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Pretty much the same time. Yeah. Are there still new tribes being discovered? I, I know there's probably still tribes that haven't had the gospel brought to them. I mean, that, that's obvious. But are there? Are we still like going? Oh, flip! I didn't realise there were people yeah. living here. One of our one of the videos on our website actually they talk about that that they sat down in this area in the helicopter and they met this group who were looking that they ended up going to share and that was a new discovery. Wow. So they are out there. They're not as often as what we used to, but there's, for us, it's ones who have no access. But mostly now we know where they are. It's amazing because we, I mean, as Christians, we all look forward to the return of Jesus. And we know that the Bible says that when every nation's been reached, when every ethnos has been reached, you've got a whole lot of people going, oh, Jesus is coming back tomorrow or Jesus is coming back soon. And you go, well, that can't be because there are a whole lot of people that haven't heard the gospel yet. We know of so, so many language groups, but we don't have the people to send them. Yeah. And it's just like, ah. Uh, so there's a lot. There's a lot more to reach. Typically in Papua New Guinea, where there are many, many tribal groups, we have letters that are sent out asking, can you send us missionaries? Yeah. Sometimes we're waiting 10, 15, 20 years for that group to be reached because we don't have the, the missionaries. Why don't, why don't we have the people? Because they're not willing to put up their hand and say, I'll go. Some of it is I think they don't know they can go. Okay. That, yep. Like, for now, this stage of our role in missions... Now, we've got to say that, that you two have been on the mission field, so, so they're talking from experience here. We spent some time in the tribe. We know what it's like, and to get people raised up, that's why we're convinced the Lord brought us home, to help educate people to the needs of, of, of what we have out there. Yeah. It's a massive amount of people groups that have not heard anything yet about God's word. So we need the people. So that's where we're at this stage is to raise the awareness of the needs. Yeah. We need te 
people right out in the jungle like us all the way back. We need them as teachers, as doctors, as accountants, all those levels, not just the tribes, because all the stages keep that person in the tribe. So it's a massive amount of people we need. What When I worked for REMA, so I, I mean, I was frontline on REMA. And by frontline, I mean, I was behind the microphone. So people knew that, you know, knew the name Rob Holding, they knew my voice. We had 70 staff, yeah. of which maybe 10 of us were on air. You know, there's so many stuff that people didn't know the name of, but you still needed them there. Otherwise, you wouldn't have anything on here. It's yeah. the same thing, yeah. 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 So it's not just – so when you're talking about um, mission service for Ethnos or for any other mission organisation, you're not talking about, you know, pack, pack up everything you own into a backpack, hike up the mountains and learn a language for four years and then tell them about Jesus. There's all those – that could be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we have some of our guys who have done literally Truck that. drivers. Yeah. 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 Earthly, everything yeah. you can imagine. When we were still in the tribe, when the when we were working ourselves out of the role we're in, because that's part of our thought pattern is you do that, but you don't stay there forever. You, it's in the people's hands. And so we got to that point and, and we were starting to discuss about, wow, this we're finished here. We're, we've seen it completed. Yep. And which is a pretty amazing thing. And we were praying lots about it, obviously, what next, Lord, within the mission, because we're pro keeping at it. And I remember saying to Trev, if, if we go home, like go home, really? You know. <laughs> what and, is home? And yeah. so if, if we are to do that, are we convinced that's what God has for us? And what if we never see anybody go into missions, are we still convinced God wants us to go home? And we were. And came home, and honestly, God didn't need to let us see young ones raising up to go out into missions, but he did let us see that. Yeah, he didn't and, need to, but he did. Yeah, yeah, you know, you look at that and you go, God doesn't have to do anything for us. But we're seeing young people catch the vision that actually yeah. they can do it. So when did you guys come back? We came back nine years ago. Okay. Yep. From, and you were in the Philippines? Yes. In the Philippines. For how long? For 12 years. Right. Yep. And you were frontline in the village? Yes. We didn't start off frontline. We worked for a few years in support in the background okay. in a provincial town on Mindanao. Okay. Yep. Yep. I've, I've been to Mindanao. Yes. So, and so we were in support roles. Right. Everything you can imagine from medical issues to running guest home to buying supplies for people in the tribe. So we'd done all the stuff, not realising we'd actually end up in the tribe ourselves. And it was a good thing because we knew how hard people worked back there to help keep us. Yeah. And so that was, yeah. So was, what, got, what got you to the Philippines, Trevor, to start with? Well, um, I guess it, it's a long story in a way that uh, when I was a child, we met the first person from New Tribes Mission. And so as a child growing up, I had that in the background. Uh, later on, as we were married and had a young family, we were involved in the life of our local church. And I ended up on the missions committee for that. And so then came the time let's get somebody along who can tell us about the unreached. So I got this guy from New Tribes Mission to yep. come along and we were praying, Lord, let somebody get stirred to missions tonight. Oops. And as we walked out that <laughs> night, we're going, it's us. 
<laughs> we, and we, so, we walked out the church door looking at each other going, it is us, it's us. Right. You know, we were a bit shocked, you know, because we wanted someone else to go. Here am I, Lord, sent him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, nine months later we began training. So wow. that was 1995. Yeah. Did our training in Australia in those days. There's a lot to train for cross-cultural church planting where there is unwritten languages. Yeah. And so we did that. And like Judy said, we never kind of thought we'd end up in a tribe, but we did. And our role there was to support the translator. There was an established church. Yeah. They were translating the scriptures, but living in a, lo- in a very isolated jungle location, it's hard to live there. And so everything that breaks down or just to live in such a remote place requires time. Yeah. And so if they're doing that, they're not translating. Yes, you know, they've got to focus on what they're doing, yeah. and so we need people in the background. Yep, and so we were there. Do we were doing a certain amount of community development kind of projects with the people. Um, like Judy said, medical was yep. part of that. And just... Um, you can tell about some of what you did. I, I worked with our co-workers at their place, and work means you start, as you know, in the Philippines very early. Yes. But I worked helping clean up sound files and formatting all those sort of things, getting helping with the translation. Trev worked directly with the tribal guys with community projects, and I took on the medical one of the cool projects we had, we lost the use of our airstrip. So I had to survey in the jungle to find flat, level ground for another okay. airstrip. And, you know, the jungle. Yeah. Um, so that was, it was very practical kind of thing. Yeah. And that's one of the things we love to challenge the church with today. Like, you may not be a Bible teacher or translator, but what about the skills you have? I, see, I, I can't, uh, I could possibly found, find a piece of flat ground. Yeah. <laughs> I could possibly do that for you. Um, but, you know, I look at look at uh, ministries like uh, Habitat for Humanity and others, uh, um, MMM, Mobile Mission Maintenance, uh, you know, who go over to the islands and they build stuff. You do not want these hands building things, right? Give me a guitar, yep. that's fine, right? Give me a Bible to teach or preach from, that's fine. To ask me to fix something, you fool. Yeah. <laughs> you do not want that. Um uh, but but we each have our have our role to play. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, an audio book I'm just listening to at the moment, not a Christian one. It's just a novel. But there's an archaeologist in it, and one of the other characters asks, you know, how did you become an archaeologist? And he goes, well, when I was eight, my father took took me to listen to this famous archaeologist, and from that age, I always wanted to be an archaeologist. We don't get the missionary speaking in churches so much anymore because, sadly, um, pastors tend to protect, not quite the right word, but they guard their pulpits. And and I know, and you guys must know it better, how hard it is for speakers from a mission organisation to come in and actually talk about the work that God's called people to do. Yep, absolutely. You know, one of the... You raised an interesting point about the children. How many times do you get to church and you've got whatever speaker, okay, kids off out to your program now. Yep. And so the kids are not growing up hearing some of the amazing stories of what God's doing. And so that that straight away is why we have that vacuum today. A whole generation really that is quite um, 
in a way missing a literate. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we know nothing about it. Yeah. And, and, I mean, as I jokingly said before, you know, here am I, send me, with, you know, um, from Isaiah. It is here am I, it's not even here am I, send them. It's like, oh, somebody else will go. And I think for New Zealand, I, I keep explaining to um, to new New Zealanders, our old term of she'll be right. Always, and you'd know this from, from a Kiwi overseas on the mission field. Hey, we need a new landing strip. Oh, she'll be right. We'll find one. We'll go with yep. you. Right? Nowadays, for, for New Zealanders, she'll be right as, oh, she'll be right. Somebody will fix it. Yes, somebody else. Somebody else will fix it. Yeah. That's so true. So it's here, here am I. Send someone else, not me. Or, yeah. you know... I, I haven't been called. And that's been said to us a lot, and we're going like, oh, well, we never got called. We had this just this burning passion. This is this yep. amazing passion that he, fatal to get onto a missions committee, I guess, <laughs> but he went onto the missions committee because there was a stir-up in him. for, yep. And I was pretty convinced the Lord had challenged me years before. And, you know, I was young and I was about to have a baby. And I remember thinking, I am not taking a child of mine to a place like that. Because, you know, we were same missionary couple showing yep. us their tribal pictures. And it was pretty rugged and rough, you know. Like, and I was about to have a baby. I didn't want to take my little sweet darling somewhere like that. Yeah. Well, in actual fact, we took our sweet darlings <laughs> away to amazing places. And they thrived. You know, so even... As, you know, at that point, I well, years later, I could look back going, wow, I told God, no, I'm not going to a place like that. He could have stopped it there and yeah. never given me a second chance. So how old are the children now? How, I mean, how, how, how are, not how old, how are they now with that having grown up in the mission field? They, for them, was a very positive experience. They both still talk about their life on field and loved it. Yeah. For us as a family, it was a really, really good thing. Yeah. And which is bizarre because we took them to the craziest places and never thought anything of it. Not because we weren't thinking about it, it's because God put us there. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's obeying God. Um, I've just been conversing with um, Rosie Boom. I don't know if you know yeah. Rosie, the, the singer, and also, or I should say, the author nowadays, shouldn't I? Because yeah. she's written all these great books. But in, in these books that she's written, there's all these little bits that come up about her and Penelope because Rosie's parents were in Papua New Guinea as missionaries. So there's all these, and and you can you can when you read the books or listen to her because she's narrating them herself now, which is great. But you can almost hear the awe from her kids about, oh, Mum, you grew up on the mission field, and uh, you know if, if if you're called to be. If you're a Michael Jones, so we'll use our era. If you're a Michael Jones or an Ronnie Clark, and God called you to play rugby, why are you sitting in an office? Yeah, yeah. You know, you you feel so unfulfilled as a Christian because you're not doing what you're God created you to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, like we've all got abilities. I'm not an academic or anything like that. So, you know, when you said, don't let your hands touch certain things, yeah, yeah. our translation, our couple in the trial, so I did not translate. <laughs> <laughs> please keep that woman away from our translation. I helped him. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're not made to do the same job. Yeah. And I never thought I would be involved in medical, and trust me, it was pretty violent in there. 
at times. So they were quite damaged people that came to our door. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh. But all the way through, if God puts you somewhere, he helps you with that thing. And I remember thinking I would never cope with, you know, like violent, vicious things that were done. But whenever I got called to go to our house to help fix somebody, he always turned up from the jungle or wherever he was working. I never ended up at home dealing with this massive thing on my own. And he he would keep, because, you know, that personal space barrier that they don't have, he would keep them (laughs) away from me so I could clean up whatever wounds were happening. But I never ended up at home. You must have almost felt if you're out somewhere, you feel, oh, I better go home. You go, oh, I wonder what my wife's going to get into this time. <laughs> oh, no, this is scary. Don't go home. But I'll stay out longer. He would be turning <laughs> yeah. up for a tool or something that they needed yep. out in the jungle. Right. Because I'd be walking home from my co-workers because I'd been called to go yep. home. And I'd be going, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. you got to help me. you got to help me. There's blood. Yeah. <laughs> because if there was blood, I mean, it was a bad accident. Well, that always kind of got me each time because God knew my, my fear and my weakness was to be left alone. Well, not, not alone, yeah, yeah. but hands on. Having to handle this myself. Yeah. And God always had him. <laughs> it yeah. was like, really, you're here again? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about translation work. Um, I watched one of the videos on your website and the, uh, the couple were talking about it took them three and a half years before they could even begin to give the gospel. So they're, they're learning the language of the village where they are. It took them three and a half years to even begin to mention the gospel because they couldn't find a, a word for love. Yeah. What, what's the story with that? Well, you know, like animistic cultures are very different to our Judeo-Western Christian culture. And so we, we grow up, we have a sense of, we understand love. When In, in these cultures like where they worship the spirits and nothing is nice, they don't have a word for love. And so that's what you're referring to. By nothing is nice, it's because the spirits are demons which make everything nasty. Yeah, and life is an existence of trying to manipulate the spirits to make life better so you have a better outcome. Because if you keep the spirit happy, they'll leave you alone. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and of course that never quite happens like that. And so um, without an absence or with an absence of Christian values where we understand what love is and, you know, especially love one for another where we would care for one another, it's not part of who they are. They have no concept of it. And so um, that video clip you're referring to is the closest they could get was the woman is putting her heart on her child. And you can see that the woman loves her child. But no, no, you can't use that because a man would never do that. That's only a woman that can love right. like that. So how do you find that word? And so, yeah, it, that's... I find that fascinating. For, I mean, for two things. Is Number one, because I, I love languages. I love learning the etymology of words and, and, and why we say this and, and in different languages and things. So, so that side I would love. I mean, if God said, Rob, I want you to go and translate a native language, I'll go, I'm in. And Sharon, my wife, would say, have a good time. <laughs> um, but the other side is is we, we, when you sit down and you think about it, you go, okay, so we've got Ethnos, a mission organisation. We've got a couple, husband and wife, in this village. We've got all the backup teams. 
for three and a half years, and nobody's even talked about Jesus yet. Yeah. yeah. You know, but in, in our minds, sometimes we think it's like a, um, a, um, a jungle version. And I know because you, you talked about the ethnos, there's, there's unreached people groups in the cities as well. Yeah. You know, we know that now. Um, but it's like we, we, we have in our mind, I'm going to go to wherever and I'm going to be like the local OAC evangelist on the street with a with a chalkboard and, and you know. But no, 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 you're going to be there living there uh, in a grass hut or in a whatever Learning for three and a half years before you even start to talk about Jesus. Absolutely. Because yeah. you, you can't share about Jesus if you haven't got their heart language because you're not going to share who he is. And we worked with animus people well, they're just going to grab... So just descri- describe animist for those that don't know. Animist are people who believe in the spirits of the rocks, the trees, the leaves. Yep. Any object has a spirit in it, and they're keeping that spirit happy. So animism is believing in spirits. In everything. Yeah. In everything yeah. that yeah. lives around them and keeping them happy or something bad's going to happen. And we had many cases where things went wrong and the people would be going, oh... You didn't, you didn't do the sacrifice to that rock or yep. whatever yep. they designated. Well, that's what Paul says in Athens, wasn't it? you got yeah. all these different – you even got a statue to an unknown God just in case you offend him. Yeah. yeah. So, an unknown rock. You, did, you, you offended that rock. Yeah. So if you don't learn the while, – while you're in that stage, if you're not learning language and culture, because yep. they go hand in hand, then you're not going to understand the people. You're not going to understand the words to use correctly. Yep. You've got to learn correct. For us, there were 52 pronouns at one stage in our lives. And if you used that pronoun in the wrong tense in setting, yep. the people couldn't help you. They didn't know what you were talking about. I heard that. If I go back to audio books again, I listened to one. Um, it was when the English came to Australia and uh, this uh, uh, guy, he started you know, meeting with the local Aborigine people. They had... Um, I think it was 17 different versions of him. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> from, from an English speaker, you go, no, it's just him. It's him yeah. or it's him. But no, no, that's him sitting beside me yeah. who was married to a woman. It's him sitting over there who's married to a woman or him sitting over there who's not married. Yep. Yeah. So but it's for me, it's just him. Or yeah, yeah. And um, in, one of, in, in one of our tribes in PNG, there's that the language and culture there is such that everything has to be determined whether you came from the river or you were going back there. And so <laughs> if you didn't add that in, okay. they couldn't figure, well, what's he talking about? I remember listening to a um, somebody who worked for Wycliffe Translators. And the, the part in the Bible where Peter says, uh, in the in the King James, I think it's just I go fish. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm going fishing. He said in this tribe they were working with in Africa, you couldn't say I'm going fishing. You had to say I'm going fishing with friends at night on a lake in a boat using a net. Yeah. <laughs> All these different things, and and that's what you've got to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Before you even begin to share. To share. You know. Because you can't so- share if. If you haven't got the language, all you're going to do is mess up yeah. completely and the people are no better off. How hard is that to, to go somewhere as a missionary with the love of Jesus and, and be basically hobbled? It's very humbling. I remember one time thinking, 
I'm only going to be able to speak to two-year-olds because that's the level of language I have. <laughs> and then I thought, well, two-year-olds like me. It's all right, yeah. you know. But, yeah, you are. You're, you're bound for ages. That, that shows the importance of this is a long-term thing. If we go on a two-week mission trip, we are not, if we're helping to support a, a group that's there or something like that, that's great. But if we think that we're going cross-culturally to share the gospel in a short trip, it's not going to work. And we will end up risking confusing people more than helping for something like that. Yeah, and I think a lot of that too is, and we've discussed this before we began recording, is that uh, a lot of people, a lot of Christians' lack of knowledge of what we believe, the lack of biblical knowledge doesn't help there either. No, they, they they come they come wanting to express and share something that they actually don't know much about. Yeah, but that can hold you back as well. You go, well, I'm, you know, I'm not a Bible college lecturer. I haven't been to Bible college. I can't be a missionary because I don't know this that. I mean, that's a false argument. Yeah, and we've seen over and over again with young people have all kinds of things that they say they cannot do, but once they say okay, Lord, here I am, use me, then the Lord develops what he's going to do through them. Yeah. Um, my future son-in-law, I say this because he's marrying my daughter in September this year, uh, when he was 15, he felt called by God to go to India to rescue uh, the, the, the girls that are used as temple prostitutes. 15 years old. Wow. So what does he do at the age of 15? He goes, Mum... I'm going to get a builder's apprenticeship because if I'm going to go to India to do this work and work with these places, I'm going to have to build an orphanage for them. So what does my daughter do when she falls in love with them? Well, if my husband's going to be doing that, I better learn early childhood. Wow. Right? Yeah. And, and so and that's, that's the enthusiasm of catching the call yeah. as opposed to sitting in church, singing nice songs, feeling unfulfilled as a Christian because you're not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, when you said fulfilled, every young adult that we've worked with, and it's so exciting to get that opportunity, that has come to the knowledge that they should be doing something, actually have an excitement and an enthusiasm. And every single one so far has raised up people that are supporting them, and it's their enthusiasm. Yeah. And I look at them and go, I remember those days way back when, when we just were so passionate and excited, to be honest, we'd still love to be on the Mindanao yep, field. Yep. And we're going, oh, okay, well, if we keep getting excited wanting to get back there, we'll be happy about our job here. And it's and we are. But it's the passion in these young ones. Your daughter and son-in-law to be, their prime example, yep. it, it kicks out to others. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, it, it, it's built up on. Years ago, when I met Sharon, um, there was a, a brethren missionary, Harold McGregor, who had been in India for many, many years. And he had come, he was, I think, 86 or 87 when they brought him back home for the last time. He ended up in a home uh, in Tauranga, but his question was always, when am I going back? Mm. Yeah, yeah. When am I? And yeah, again, if, if we are his. Using that word poema, if we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do, if I feel called to Guatemala or Philippines or Papua or, or wherever, 
surely I'm going to be fulfilled and find all that when I'm out there doing it. Absolutely. But at the moment, I'm feeling yeah. like pretty scared about packing up from nice, yeah. comfortable New Zealand or wherever I'm watching this or listening this and putting everything in a suitcase and traveling to a village where I might have to wear a grass skirt. That's yeah. that's scary. <laughs> you know, we, we often, working with young people, we'll often challenge them. You find an old retired missionary and ask them if they'd do it again. And if they are a genuine missionary that served the Lord doing this, mostly they'll always say, I wish I was young enough to do it again. Yeah. And so we, we make the challenge, so, okay, look, in 30 years' time, what will you regret? That you're not old enough to go back or that you that missed you the went. chance and yeah. never went? Yeah. Did, did you have any fear about going? Any no. trepidation? No. We, we, for us, it was that night of saying, this is us, and from that time on, well, we got to go. And from that time on, it just, that enthusiasm built. We never, took we us never nine months to, yep. to actually sum up what we did and to get there. And yep. toward the end of that time, it was like, just get rid of this. We want to get going. And we, we have a family right now who are going next week to Papua New Guinea. All the same steps. Yep. Same things. And they, they were telling us that, I said to them, so are you guys 100% sure that this is what God has for you? And they said, more so now than when we first started to decide. We're waking up at night thinking we just have to go. And this yeah. is what we find over and over again. And again, you said young couple. The, the invitations nowadays to missionaries and mission organisations uh, don't come as often as they used to, sadly. Uh, and they come to... Uh, sometimes to churches, to older groups. Uh, I know at the, the Caddy Christian Centre, when I pastored there, we had the Keenagers, you know, which is the 50s plus home group. And, the, you know, so the invitations will come to them. You guys need to get into the youth groups and the Sunday schools. Yep. The hardest like place that. to get into. <laughs> but, you know, the other side is, I said to Trevor, you know, if God brought us back to do this job, he gives us the openings. Yep. And so in the end, like, and Joe, for sure, he's trying, getting in yeah, to yeah, everywhere. Yeah. But, you know, we've been amazed where God has put us at times. And you go, that's because it's God's job. You just have to be willing to do your bit. And so we've spoken in places we never expected. But, yes, we'd love to be in yeah. more younger things and areas and and. Hello. And the cool thing with that is we have an ideal program that, uh, before COVID at least, that we could take young people for six weeks up to New Guinea and yep. let them experience firsthand what it's like in a safe environment to see, is this what God would have for my life? This is what long-term church planting looks like. And so just to get there. So we have the program. Is that going to be, I mean, if we're talking a post-COVID world, which hopefully we are, uh, is that going to be running again? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. We've had it running for over 30 years. Okay. And we've and only year missed the, well, and last the, year and yeah. this year's out. Because, I mean, the videos on your website are amazing. They're, they are inspiring. Um, the, and, and you look at them, you go, this is great work that's going on. And I've got to say, it does show a little bit of that background work. That, you know, there's a guy learning how to saw up big logs and build all those sorts of bits and pieces. Um, 
and that would be good, I think, for youth groups or others to, to get a hold of and, and, and show to the young ones. And, and if, I could, if I can say it without offending, not just with ethnos but with other mission organisations because the Great Commission is to all of us. Yeah. And we all have our segment because we can't all be in the same place. We've got to all get out. This, this program that we take young ones on, it, it's international, Stuart. It's just amazing because, of course, they're all dealing with other cultures yep. in a foreign culture. And it's six weeks. And it's not, they're not going out there to preach the gospel because they don't have the language. They learn why we do what we do, how we do what we do. They are put out into the local areas. Where they feel very uncomfortable, I hope. With a little bit of yeah. pigeons, so they, they think that they're, you know, moving mountains. Yep. But for them to see it is hard work and it does take time. And that came back to, you know, like when we're in the tribe and everybody has X amount of time learning language and culture and everything. And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Yep. And in that time frame, you're building relationships. You don't even know that you're building relationships, really, until yeah. down the track and you look back and you go, oh, wow, you know, I felt like an idiot in this situation. Yeah. But that built the relationship. That person helped me. And the amazing thing is, and again, if I relate to the videos on, on the Ethnos website, um, is you then, once that's done that way, the relationships are built, the language is learnt, the gospel is finally delivered, and bang, everyone goes, yep, I get it, what do I do? Yeah, it's, it's not like, I mean, again, if we use the, the street preacher in, in, in Wellington or, or Napier or whatever, and you know, everybody's standing going, no, no, I heard what you said, don't want to know about it. When that gospel is finally presented in these mission situations, people go, I want Jesus. It changes the change because they're not in a nice world anyway. And for our tribal people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, their life was not going to get easier. So they chose, really chose the yes. Lord. Yeah. And it, that's just unbelievable to see. And, you know, for love, they, they have no love. They don't express love. They don't love their babies. It's just quite a different world. But when the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes into people's lives, they change. They, yep. they change. We never told them, you can't do this and you can't do You can't change people. No, they'll change on their own. God's word they'll changes. Change on their own. We saw people loving their children like, or being kind to their wife because the Holy Spirit had changed them. Yeah. And the concept of love was actually in their life. Yeah, so so, so they'd almost create a whole new word for it. Yeah. yeah, and and the reason, part of the reason for that difference, like what you see here, you hear it on the street, no, nah, not for me, and, and what we see on the mission field with, yeah, I, th this is what I'm going to trust. And part of that is, like, we take months to go through, we do it chronologically, we're known for our chronological yep. Bible teaching, and so we start at the beginning, and when you do that, you're setting up who God is, Yes. Who Satan is, who man is, the nature of Satan, the nature of us as people, uh, God's character. You, you're setting all of that. And as you go through the Old Testament stories, you're showing how God can be dependent. He will do what he said. And so then as you come through the law, you realize um, 
uh, well, going back before that, you realise that God has promised a Redeemer, and that is right through the Old yes. Testament. Yeah. And so as you come through, they by the time the law is given, they recognise there is nothing we can do. We are hopeless sinners. Th that's the whole purpose of it. Yeah, and then so as you come through and then you reveal who they promised to they're, they're almost is. They're almost waiting for that Redeemer, aren't they? Absolutely. Because, and, because it's all the way through. They go, we're, we're, oh, we're up to the book of... Uh, you know, uh, Second Kings now. Oh, 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 is the Redeemer going to be is in Second he, Kings? We're up to here? Isaiah. Oh, is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Building yeah. their and own anticipation. Yeah. Oh, we could go on for hours. We're not going to. Trevor, can I get you to? We're going to conclude. Can I get you to pray for missions? Just as we finish, just just pray that God will. Some maybe somebody watching this or, or listening to this will catch that that desire. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. Okay. Thanks, Lord, for the opportunity to share here. Thank you that uh, you have just amazed us with the lives that you've let us lead in missions. Um, Lord, we just thank you for the tiny little part that we've been able to have. And we know that there are many more New Zealanders and others around the world that you would have out there if they would just say, Lord, could it be me? So Lord, I just ask today that you would stir people's hearts to ask that question, Lord, could it be me? And then Lord, please direct those willing hearts to wherever it is that you would want them to serve you. We just know from experience, Lord, how short, how few the labourers are, and we just see the massive needs that are out there with so few people willing to go. And we know that, Lord, you're a global God. You want people from every tribe, language, group around your throne at the end of time. So Lord, we just ask for more workers. Thank you that you have and you still do provide workers. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming in and joining us. Thank you, Thank Rob. Thank you for having Thank us. You.